It is time yet again for another episode of Riding the Pine, coming at you with episode two right now. Hello. Mike. (laughs) Mike, what's up? How are you, Vinny? I'm good, Mike. How are you doing this this fine eve of um, most of week three? Anyway, in the NFL. It's a wild times in the sports world between politics, <laughs> nuclear war, blockbuster trades. Oh, Very busy times. If you're a journalist, there's plenty to write about. There is. There is. There's plenty to tweet about. Uh, if you're a journalist and you're not on Twitter, you're you're not a journalist anymore probably or for much longer. Uh, let's uh, – you know, we, we – we skipped over last week after initially hitting our first episode, so we wanted to come back this week and get some opinions out there, maybe some picks, some other questions with answers from you, the resident expert. Cool. I know, I know, I know tens of thousands of dollars in wages are going to search for our podcast tomorrow, Sunday morning, to That's make right. sense of what to do with their hard-earned money, how best to lose it. So it's important we get this one in since we struck out last week. But we have lives, well, uh, and we have family, yes. careers, you know, I mean, come on, right? I don't do this for a living. Yeah, and we were, we you know we skipped a week, but that's that's okay. It's it's fine. Our 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 loyal and dedicated fan base has just been. It makes them that much more anxious. Exactly. I got letters all week. Letters, though, that says a lot about our fan base. It's an older demographic. (laughs) All right, man. Here's a – let's lead off with this. Since tomorrow will be the very first this year of the London Games featuring Mm -hmm. your – the the city that you live in, the Baltimore area – the Ravens they, travel. They're not my. They're not mine. They're not your they're Ravens. Not no, mine. I know that. Definitely I know mine. that. Yeah. Uh, the, the Ravens travel to London to face basically the hometown London team, the Jaguars, because they always play in London thanks to their their owner. Um, well, what, to be fair, the vehicle, the the vehicle, the Jaguar is originally British, and and it should be pronounced when you're in London, Jaguar. <laughs> If only the team, Jaguars. You know, if, if only there was really a. I mean, it's a nice correlation. Now that they're going to end up in England, probably anyway, at some point down the road. But it was not initially created with that in mind because mm. <laughs> back then it was not a, definitely not a, a consideration. Um, are hey, look, you going? The Jacksonville Jaguars what? got off to a really good start as a business. I always laugh about this because that, oh, that oh, early on, stadium. Yeah. Yeah, that they shroud the the upper bowl. You know, they cover the seats. They can't even yep. sell them. They started I mean, that doing place that was when sold I lived out there. for the first five years. You know, Tom Coughlin got off to a great start, and I, I kind of feel like Tom Coughlin's a Hall of Fame head coach because, in theory, he built like two really impressive rosters. You know, obviously with the Giants, he, he did. That Jaguars team should have won something. They, you know, the players didn't come through. That look, and, and let's keep in mind, too, that they started as an expansion team uh, and were given 
I'm not going to say it was easy because it wasn't, but they they were given some things right off the bat. You know, they the expansion. And so this is what mid '90s we're talking about, early '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, they were given a top pick in the draft. They were given uh, the expansion draft, where every team had to give up a certain number of players. So as a result, they you know they ended up with Mark Brunel, who was a backup at the time in Green Bay, but all by all accounts was a very highly thought of potential uh good quarterback and he made it happen in Jacksonville. And then they, they did some really good personnel moves. They had Keenan McCardle. They uh I mean Tony Baselli was there and, and had a amazing career um on the offensive line. They had some great defenders too. So I mean it was it was interesting, yeah, that they did start out pretty well. Even, you know, the AFC when they beat the Broncos that year uh, to go to the AFC championship game and face the Patriots. I, I will say as a Patriots fan at that time, I was happy because <laughs> I knew the Patriots could beat the Jaguars and that if they had to go to Denver, it wasn't going to happen. Mm. Well, I think, you know, Jacksonville kind of fell into that old school theory of warm weather teams traveling north late in the season or up against the wall the same way, you know, East Coast teams travel West Coast, and West Coast teams travel East Coast. So I think that was, you know, part of their reality. But that that, that roster was one of the better teams to not win anything. But Yeah, they were know, good for a while. The they were good Patriots, for a few years. You know, the Pats snuck into the Super Bowl there under the Kraft regime, the Kraft era, and that was kind of Parcells. Yeah, you know, that was one of the first meaningful seasons, you know, so – well, we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent here. So tomorrow morning, will you wake up to watch the Ravens versus the Jaguars by 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, 6.30 Pacific out my way? I will not be up. That I'll put that out there. I will not be up to watch that game uh, in its entirety. How about you? I will have two, two 16-month-old twins and then a busy job. There's no way I'm waking up that early to see some of the crappiest offensive players in the history of the NFL. The Baltimore Ravens are so epically boring. And the Jaguars, how can anybody get excited about the Jaguars when one day before the season starts, you had no idea if they were just going to throw Blake Bortles' dead body in a dumpster and try to revive the career of, is it Chad Henney? I mean, gosh, talk about a name that's been kicked around endlessly in his, like, short career, short, worthless career, Chad Henney. That, no, it's horrible. And and honestly, <laughs> I don't see how anybody outside of the country is supposed to get excited about the NFL when we constantly send teams that are just loser city, can't sell out in their – they can't sell out in their own home city. There's nothing to do in Jacksonville. There's nothing to do, right? You live there for years. There's nothing to do. NFL football. NFL is the greatest league. It's it's the most exciting thing. They they can't get people to those games. How in God's name are the people of England who only have love, desire, and passion for international football, how are they ever going to get legitimately excited about an NFL product when we just slide our crap to the other side of the pond and say, hey, isn't this great? So, no, I will not wake up. I, I'd rather have large objects 
jammed up my butthole for hours oh. watching those two teams. <laughs> I will say this: I'm, I'm, you know, somewhat surprised that it's going to be the two and O Ravens versus the one and one Jaguars um, tomorrow. Let me ask you this: Do you feel as though the Baltimore breakfast scene and the sports bar scene is ready for tomorrow? That early. Funny you mention that because bars did get did announce that they'd be opening earlier. They had to. I, I forget if there were a bunch of laws in place. I don't even know, you know. But bars will be opened early, and people are making like a big breakfast thing about it. But yeah. nine thirty, give me a break, dude. I remember back in two thousand seven when the Red Sox got dice game out Suzaka. And they opened the season in Japan. You know, MLB was smart. They were like, oh, we got, we have probably the most famous Japanese import ever. So let's make the first pitch of the MLB season in Japan. Let's give them what yep. they want. And I was up at like, I don't know, 4.30 in the morning. And damn it, they beat the A's. They they won that game, thank God. But that yeah. that's early. When you're waking up at like 4.30 in the morning to see a baseball game, and that yeah. was the point in history where, you know, the Red Sox games were an average of four hours and 20 minutes. So, no, I, it should be fun for Ravens fans. It's something unique and different. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, I would rather go to the zoo and watch rhinos crap all over the place for hours <laughs> than watch those two teams <laughs> and their crappy offense right. and their crappy quarterbacks and their stupid head coaches bump into each other for hours. No thanks. I'll uh, I'll add this from my perspective here on not really not the coast but we're on West Coast time right now here in in the Phoenix area in Arizona. Um we our our clocks right now read the same as if you were in California. Since we don't move our clocks right now we are 3 hours behind the East Coast. So, uh what that means up until everybody changes their clocks is on Sunday mornings during the NFL season, not for this type of a game, not London, but during the season, game day starts at 10 a.m. here uh, on, on this side of the, 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 the nation, which, I'll be honest, is pretty fantastic. Uh, it's, it means there's football on from not too early. You know, 10 a.m. is not too early. I'm not a big fan at all of any of the pregame shows, but I do get up probably about 9 or so to give myself enough time to check all my fantasy teams, my lineups, make sure no one's hurt, make sure everyone's in. But No but surprises, just, no Twitter surprises. Yeah, exactly. Or, I mean, Marshawn hey, Lynch, season. hemorrhoids, out. <laughs> look, guys, I mean, with injuries the way they are now, it, it happens all the time. But, um, but game day, here's what game day looks like here. 10 a.m. games start. First, first session. 1 p.m., the second set of games start. Those end as Sunday night football is beginning at around, what, 5 o'clock our time, 5.30. That game ends around 8.30, 9 o'clock our time. Um, and that's even that's kind of pushing it. And if, if, you, if you have a, a job where you have to wake up early on Monday or you have something to do on Monday morning, guess what? You're you're good, you're good to go. You don't have to waste your whole evening, or not waste it, but watch your football and like have to worry about getting up in the morning. The the day is I've gotten used to it and I I like it a lot better to be honest with you. It's because you do breakfast. If you want to do the sports bar thing, you do 
they they all open at 10 a.m. or not or even earlier here. Do breakfast. They do breakfast specials, um, breakfast burritos. You name it. You get the Bloody Marys, all that type of stuff. It's fantastic. And then you do lunch there too. So that's just my two cents on on, on that part of it. I, I think uh, I think it's interesting whenever these types of games happen on the East Coast, and you guys get a taste of it. Yeah, I think um, the, the weirdest the weirdest thing I've ever experienced is when I was doing business in L.A. and. I would finish the work day on a Monday and I'm walking by, you know, like a bar in a hotel or something. And I saw Monday night football being played at like 5 PM. Like <laughs> it's happening. And I'm like, I, I need to like come down from like my work. It's thing weird. And, yeah. Know, yeah. It's it weird. is very weird. It's like, you know, you finish your work day and it's football and it's, it's a shock. If you're not used yeah. to it. Yeah. So, it's nice anyway. though. It's nice. And uh, it's funny because week one, whenever, when they always have the two games on the Monday night, and it starts even earlier, so it's like 4 o'clock uh, on the Monday of week one here when it starts. So, yeah. It's, uh, anyway, um, what, Mike, do you think so far, speaking of, of fantasy teams, what, what's been your, your biggest fantasy football surprise, player-wise? That impacted me? Personally, um, or you mean, well, like, no, I mean, I whatever. Either way, the NFL talent pool, and I'm like, wow, that guy. Either way, performing. either way, because I, I think it's, I think for you, it's, it's probably still relevant anyway, because a lot of people are in the same boat. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I, I think the biggest surprise, ironically, is, is related to Thursday night football, and it's that the Rams hired someone that actually turned Jared Goff into a quarterback prospect. I mean, last year. You know, he was so, 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 so bad. Like, epically bad. Like, Ryan Leaf level bad. And now the guy is cool, calm in the pocket, and their offense makes sense. And, you know, Jared Goff is, like, productive on paper. And if you watch that game, he had a couple really nice moments. And Todd Gurley all of a sudden looks like the player that he appeared to be two years ago. And, so Jared Goff is my surprise. Like he he looked horrific, and I think if you look at his numbers now, he's at the top of the charts. You know for yards, you know completions, touchdowns. It's impressive. Uh, yep. After two weeks, of course. Um, do you think Do you think he's going to maintain that? Yeah, I do. I mean, this year, look, they play a last place schedule. They play They play last place schedule and. I do know they made changes to their offensive line this year, and it mattered. And you could see it in that game. I did watch that entire game. So I, I, I think, look, this is the benefit of how the NFL operates. They're playing a last-place schedule. So young players get to figure out their team philosophy and face, you know, rosters that have a similar skill level, you'd assume. So – until they face a harsher or more difficult schedule, I mean, I think I think he could continue to have a good season. Now, I know that their schedule does get tougher. They showed it Dallas next week. and So it will get tougher, and we'll see what happens. But, I mean, you know, if you throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns and no interceptions, you know, and very few whoopsie-type moments, that, that progress is meaningful. You know, I mean, you see people like, Jared, what's his name? Who's the guy for the 49ers, Hoyer? Brian yeah, oh, Hoyer. well, Brian Hoyer, yeah. His name. You know, I mean, that's he's a journeyman, 
And how many times has he thrown for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions? You know what I mean? So for Jared Goff to do it, you know, that's the biggest surprise to me. So sure, why not? It's it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on because they're they're two and one now, technically in first place in the AFC West again, um, for the you know first time <laughs> in however however many years. But um, they uh, it'd be interesting to see if if the any of the the fans start to bandwagon at all and get behind them because so far, um, two home games has not been a good look in the. Uh, Coliseum there for attendance. It's been that pretty surprise. Pretty pitiful. I don't think it surprises it anybody, surprise but it's it surprises people to a point, I think. But that's such it's such a big stadium, number one. Number two, it's the Rams and their fans are, are limited. They moved cities. Like yeah, it, it's it's surprising to a point because I think going in most people are like, Oh, it's LA plus they have, now they have two teams and the Chargers couldn't even sell out the twenty seven thousand stadium they played in and some people think they're better and have more more potential whatever but the rams to come over and go to la i don't think people really thought other than the nfl and and um stan Kroenke from st louis bringing them from st louis to la there's there's definitely a, a longer term play there like he's trying to make a huge complex for the Rams and for LA, for downtown LA to have this huge, like, well, a different downtown LA sports complex, <laughs> different than the LA Live and all that where the Lakers are. Um, sure. But it's with football I, I and, think, like, a big attraction. I think it'll work like the out. Patriots have. I think it'll work out. The, the NFL know. is different now than it was 20 years ago. I don't, you know, I'm not super comfortable with the fact that they basically went from zero to 100, right? So, there's no football in L.A. There's no, you know, how can that be? And now there's, you know, 16 full regular season games a year. So that that is shocking. But, look, I was amused to read this really good article in The Ringer talking about how St. Louis is immediately and completely over the Rams. Like, nobody cares there. And it was funny (laughs) because it referenced, look, they'd been there for 20 years which isn't yep. that long considering that next year the Green Bay Packers will be celebrating their 100-year anniversary in Wisconsin. Shocking, right, the amount of time. And I was like, gosh, you know, 20 years really isn't that long for a brand to establish itself. And what's crazy is, you know, the Rams have gone full cycle, right? They they were young and horrible and bad, had a bad roster, and then – they were competitive with you know, this dream scenario collection of players. And then they were kind of average. And so they've been to all three levels of competitiveness and people are over them. I think that you need really good players or you need really good stories. People of interest, they don't even have to be good. They have to be interesting. And I think that there's some time there. I think people aren't really sure what they have on their roster, but Look, man, by the end of the year, if the Rams and Seahawks are both 10-3 and three and they're battling it out, you know, to decide who wins the division, tickets will sell. So it does take time. And, and they're obviously living in a bad situation. Like the Coliseum is not made for NFL football, nor is 
the San, you know, where the Chargers, I think it's called San Diego, where the Chargers are, are stuffed. When they get the new shiny stadium, you know, it'll, it'll function the way that it is. So, but you, you can't argue with where they're coming from. I mean, St. Louis didn't want the Rams and nobody went to the games. And then the Chargers, I mean, for New England to go to San Diego a couple of years back and for there to be literally 60% uh, Patriot fans in a West Coast road game, they didn't support those teams. So I understand why. I'd say if I owned an NFL team, man, I'd have a massive boner to get them in, in Las Vegas. And, you know, Al Davis's son may look like a dumb and dumber character, but his business acumen is right on, man. Get a team in Vegas. That's that's where you want to take it. So I know we're going on like a wild franchise moving tangent, but yeah, my <laughs> I guess to start it off with, who's your biggest surprise? Mine's Jared Goss. Who is yours? I um I would say um more more maybe on say the negative side. <laughs> because uh, I, I think I know where you're going with this. I'm gonna get. I, I can I guess who your negative is? <laughs> because it's, it's soaking. A you're yeah. soaking in the media market. I know who it is. Can I guess? Uh, well, it, I, I'm not disappointed in any of the Cardinals because I didn't have high expectations. <laughs> but go ahead. Unless you're gonna say David Johnson, but go ahead. Yeah, it's David Johnson. Nah, you know, you know I, why I, it's David nah, Johnson because he was hurt. one and two in most leagues. And here's the thing: he broke his wrist. Yeah. You know, so you're like, not to sound like an inhumane beast, but it's his wrist. It's like, you know, usually when running backs are going down week one for for months, if not the whole season, it's an ACL, an MCL, a knee, a broken leg, a broken ankle, a broken foot. A broken collarbone, a concussion. It's like broken wrist. It's like, seriously? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That hurts. Yeah. You know, so meanwhile, the guy is like running around the building full speed. He's running all over the place. He's running on <laughs> stairs. He's doing 800-pound squats. But he, he broke his wrist. That wrist, man. Like, yeah, you can't. Like, I, like my wrist probably has more damage to it because I'm trapped in corporate America and I have cor- carpal tunnel. Like seriously? Well, but you need, but he needs his he needs his wrist to carry the ball, and uh, he's got a cast on it. So what, like thousands I mean, what do you do? of football players across the land are, you know, pureeing their brains, you know, every day. And you you can't play with a banged up wrist. That hurts. No, I, it's that not banged up. He, he, it's shocking. He, yeah, he broke his wrist. He's in a cast. You can't you can't play with a cast on your wrist. On they it. can't put something on it. No. I mean, come on, man. Dude, oh sure, I yeah. Put some neosporin. Yeah, put some neosporin on it. It'll be fine. I saw in the late nineties play with a pin in his broken <laughs> finger, protruding from the tip of his finger. I mean, it's just painful to know that you know, you drafted this dude. And he's yeah. not playing, and he's like ninety nine percent of him is healthy. And look, it's it's the it's the risk that happens every. I didn't, you know, I didn't draft him. I wasn't in a position to draft him in any any of the couple of leagues that I'm in. I I had late to mid round picks. Um, last year I had him because I got him at like the end of the first round, miraculously. And um, this year I I just was not in a position. I he. I was nervous because he was coming off his knee injury in the last game of the season last year and that that was a little nerve-wracking but no i'm it's mine would be surprise wise through the the first two weeks of course given it's only two weeks but still it doesn't look good 
Um, but you never know what will happen. But Jordan Howard is the one that's, that kills me because this dude, by pretty much any fantasy draft, he was going no later than round two. But most Bulls gold. Bulls well, gold. Well, look, the dude was second in the league in rushing last year in only a few games, right? Bulls so, gold. On a bad team. On a bad team. So by all accounts, it looked like he could still do it. He was going to be the workhorse. Tariq Cohen, this this rookie kid, like, I, don't, I mean, I didn't do as much research as I normally do, but in anything I saw, I didn't even hardly see that kid's name. I saw, like, even as a potential vulture or anything, I so I, I missed the boat on that. I don't know if I'm alone or if other people missed that, but I don't I I had no hear idea about who him. He was. No, I, yeah. look, rookie. certain teams I'm not even looking at. The, I mean, the Bears were so bad. I, I couldn't even look at them. I'm like, they're not even on my list. Like some players, I'm not even going near. And but they dude, were so bad last like year wide too. Receivers, they they have lost wide receivers to every injury possible. Yeah. They lost one yeah. guy, you know, to an MCL. They lost another guy to malaria. Another guy was near an earthquake and fell into a crack in the earth. Like all of their receivers died. So mm-hmm. you knew they weren't going to be effective, right? They have the whole the whole rookie and veteran thing. So you weren't even sure like who was going to be throwing passes by week three in the NFL. And their coach is still John Fox, one of the biggest dum-dums in NFL history, right? So I was like, Jordan Howard had a nice year, and he surprised everybody last year. And he looks like a fantastic athlete, but they they are in rebuilding mode, and they suck. They suck really bad. So I wasn't going anywhere near there. But I had no idea who Tariq Cohen was. <laughs> I, I, uh, I would just, you know, with Jordan Howard, regardless of whether you thought he was any good, most people, I think, had him pretty highly ranked in terms of running backs. He was going in the first round. I don't know what his average draft position was with ESPN or anything, but he was he was one of the higher-rated running backs, regardless of being on the Bears. I think primarily because last year, even like after um, everything, and, and the Bears were horrible. He was he came on and he was getting the ball 25 times a game and getting big sure. numbers. Well, you know, even with with. Well, that's what I'm. Well, well, now you you can't say that because this year, I mean, yeah, they lost all their receivers between week one and week two, and then he got hurt. So he's hurt. He he came out in a sling last week uh, after playing like in the first quarter. He got hurt again. His his already injured shoulder. So anyway, I I had him in a keeper league, so I had kept him, and I I kept him, Ty Montgomery, and another guy, and they Ty Montgomery is easily the best one out of the three so far. So anyway, that's that's where. I don't fault you for keeping him in a keeper league. You kind of have to. Well, no, you can't. Fell into yeah, him. And he put I, up I picked him up as a free agent. Like, yeah. But if you are in a league where it's a reset every season and you're drafting your roster from zero, those those younger teams, those losing teams, those rebuilding rosters, like they don't have their offensive philosophy locked in. They're still trying to figure it all out. So right. they'll start and they're the a season mess. with one idea – injuries, losing, and then, you know, by the middle of the season, they're doing something completely different. It's just so unstable. Even though he had a great year last year, I was just like, man, that's toxic. It's fool's gold. It's totally fool's gold, not going there. And there's other players that have a lot more stability that are in the same, like, threshold of talent and touches, right, because you're trying to forecast who's going to get the rock the most. He was no, one I, of the few I, that was that was going to get a heavy workload this year, one of the very few. 
but Plus, no, well, that's fine. Like, we, every, we disagree but, on dude, evaluation. Every year, but that's cool. every year there's like a surprise player, you know, that, sure. that catches there's a, there's the league a, off guard. Yep. And then year two, you know, they get clamped down on. That's he's that Well, guy it's, it's funny. Like, is this like, guy is this guy going to be Anthony Thomas all over again? The old A train who had rookie he won rookie <laughs> of the year, I think, and then was mm-hmm. never heard from hardly ever again. And funny enough, was with the Bears also. Um, Last year, the Bears the Bears starter coming out of camp was Jeremy Langford, and yeah. you know he lost his job to Howard like two or three weeks into the season. I mean, that happened fast. Right. And to, you know, I, I used to think that it's, it was because Howard was really impressive and he's, he's obviously a good, a good, he's a great athlete. I mean, he looks the part, he looks like a legit running back. He was second in the league in rushing yards. I think part (laughs) of it is Langford is really crappy, you know, and I know Langford was brought into the Ravens, you know, because they had some injuries at running back fairly early. He literally was gone in the same week, which makes you wonder <laughs> if, if Langford was more a product of an offensive system uh, than, you know, really talented dual threat type player. But right. yeah, I get it. Uh, look, he, I, I totally understand that he put up big numbers. You know, it's, it's fantasy. That's what's important, but I didn't. Well, think... anyway, that's, but that's my, that's my, my biggest surprise because I thought he would at least have like a thousand yard season, maybe 10 touchdowns. But anyway, um, it's, so we talked about the Rams, right? Uh, the Rams, if you remember last season, Mr. Jeff Fisher had a pretty eventful few weeks, right? They were on hard knocks. And then he, in one of the episodes, he they filmed him and then aired it of him famously saying, "We're not. I'm not going out eight and eight again. I'm not. I'm not going eight and eight. I'm not going nine and seven. We're we're going to the Super Bowl. Blah, blah, blah. Right? All this nonsense in in the meeting. They need with to the check players. him for CTE. Yeah, it, I mean, even when, when he said it, it was as pretty. As soon as as soon as he funny. kills himself by hanging himself with that autoerotica asphyxia, they need to check his brain. So he, don't forget, they 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 came out and and said that they gave him a contract extension in like week week I don't know early weeks of the season. Remember they they, they came out and said that. And he yeah, it's just silliness. It's just so well. No, he he listen. He got in. The, he got the extension. The team came out and, and announced it, and they said, "Oh yeah, we did the extension in the off season. We're just announcing it now." And then that same week, they fired him. Um, so that was what did he do? Didn't he have a specific thing occur at the end of a game where he could have called timeout and he didn't, and it was still competitive? And yeah, it just and, got and he, it just totally got out of control. I, Sometimes so he was, when a team he also moves, was, everybody uh, like as soon as news breaks that they're like they're moving, everyone's screwed, right? Nobody cares anymore because they're like, okay, you're telling me I have to uproot my entire life to continue to work for this organization. Everybody gets distracted, so he definitely got uh, you know got that thrown his way. He look, he's past his prime. He's living in the '90s. He wants a running back that's going to tote the rock thirty times. 
he's 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 done. He's all done. And well, anybody yeah, he's that done. has a torn sash in the year 2017 definitely needs to be choked or asphyxiated to get his rock. Oh off. boy, he's kind of he's well, a listen, psycho. I think he's listen. He, that's not the point. The point is this. The point is this. He and and to address as far as moving the team, he had already been through that. That's why they brought him in. He had been through that with Tennessee and Houston. Um, with that whole move when the Titans moved it from the Oilers to the Titans and all that. So that they brought him in for that purpose, um, partly, and they oh got God. rid of him. So um, he, so listen, so now, the other day, what, what happened, Jim Caldwell, coach of the Lions, <laughs> turns out he signed an extension. He signed an extension uh, in the offseason, but they waited until right now, Week three, two and zero, right? Well, they're two and zero. He's he's been he's look he's taken the Lions to the playoffs the last the two out of the last three years for whatever that's worth. I mean they've gotten knocked out early, and he taking the Lions to the playoffs whether you win or lose is still meaningful. I mean they literally is, they at this point it is yeah, yeah. It's, it's, not, progress. it's a big deal if they just get there. Really, it's progress. Is. They signed they they signed Stafford to the richest contract extension for a player in NFL history at this point, um, yeah, which will get overtake. Well, that'll get overtaken with once Aaron Rodgers contract comes up again and other or, or people. Kirk Cousins or Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yeah, it could. Um, so he, he, he signed his extension. They waited until week three after their two and zero. he's been through the, they've been through the whole off season where, and two weeks where he's been peppered with these questions about his status um, and he couldn't say anything because he was told not to. They they feel like he's helped Matthew Stafford over the last couple of years being there to turn into a, a a better player. Look, you and I Definitely. agree that Stafford is a very good quarterback. I I would if if you're an NFL fan, your team doesn't have like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or some other like top notch guy, um, and you would want Matthew Stafford on your team. You would you would want him as your quarterback because the guy, out of he he's in the next tier of like with Matt Ryan, um, maybe Newton, though who's we'll see with his injury. He's he's a guy that has definitely has the potential and the ability to lead a team into a championship. I, I think so, and and I know you said that before. So, um, do you think Caldwell deserved the extension? Well, knowing that NFL coaching salaries don't count against the cap and knowing that these franchises are dripping with wealth, even if they're not competitive, I think whenever they look at their management contracts and that budget, I mean, if they fire someone, they can swallow that cost. So I do feel like now more than ever, a multi-year extension is a hollow sign of support you know, I you can easily see where if Caldwell, you know, goes five and zero, and then it all does a one eighty, they could absolutely run his ass. I mean, it's it's incredible how brutal the NFL is. It, it it's happened many times over the course of NFL history where a manager or a, rather a head coach is extended, or even a general manager is extended, and within twelve months they're they're gone. Well, including so, last year, like we talked about with Jeff Fisher, within the same week or week or two. I mean, it was no more than two yeah. weeks. He was he was fired. <laughs> it's weird. I, I think sometimes 
and not to go cross sports, but the same conversations kind of taking place right now with John Farrell and the Red Sox. You know, he has one year left on his existing contract. And there's that theory that if the manager or coach or general manager doesn't have any more than 12 more months, their, their abilities are compromised because everyone doubts whether or not they have a future with you know, the franchise. So I don't have a problem either way. I think Caldwell might be the best head coach they've had in a while. I don't think Caldwell is, you know, a Hall of Famer at this point, but he he seems to understand, you know, Matt Stafford. He's gotten the most out of him in terms of like real football. So I get that Stafford when he had Charles Johnson, he was throwing for 5,000 yards and whatnot. But I, I like Caldwell, but I do think his ass is on the line. So even though they extended him, it to me it really doesn't mean anything because he's not going to command ten million dollars a year like everyone thinks Belichick might be getting paid by the Patriots. And if that number represents the top of the earnings apex for coaches, yeah, he can't be making that much. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of leverage over the Lions. So you know, I'd say sure give him a multi-year contract and is it weird that you announce it in the season? Yeah, but who cares? I guess they just wanted to get ahead of that whole, you know, I'll just wait him out type narrative that sometimes can evolve when things go bad in a locker room and players that have longer contracts than the manager or coach, you know, start to acknowledge out in the open. So. All right. Let's, let's talk about some of the the games tomorrow. We won't go through every game, but um, some of the more, uh, highlight games, if you will. Um, let's start with the Ravens and the Jaguars. What do you What do you think the outcome of that one looks like? Do, no, well, let me ask you this too. Uh, without picking the score, but who's gonna Who's gonna come out the winner? And do you think it's a typical London lethargic game uh, with a low scoring effort? I think the Ravens will win. I think the Ravens' defense is legit. I, I Do I think they're the steel curtain of the 70s? No. But I think they have a good defense. They they had talent at all three levels, and they kept adding to it over the offseason. So I think their defense is legit, and I think they'll, they'll do okay against a Jaguars team that's already missing its best offensive player and still doesn't know its own personality on offense. So – I don't believe that Jacksonville has the defense that people might have thought they had after week one when they kind of surprised their uh, their week one matchup. So I would say, you know, if I had to put a, a score on it, I'd say, you know, Baltimore 21, Jacksonville 13. Boring <laughs> game. Boring game. You you don't have to do a score. I just didn't know if you thought it might be a nine to six type but of I affair. But I felt very strong about this one. You know, I feel a, you know, Ravens have a defensive touchdown, and they have you know some sort of like broken play touchdown. So it's fourteen to three for like three quarters, and then the fourth quarter, you know, you know, it's a couple more touchdowns. Boring game. Don't watch it. Stay in bed. <laughs> Love that description. Um, Atlanta at Detroit, which should be a pretty good game to watch. Now, that's a fun one, and that's one of those litmus test games, right, because the Lions are 2-0, and 
and that doesn't happen very often for them. As a matter of fact, when the Lions beat the Giants on Monday Night Football, I had to go on TuneIn, the radio app, and find yep. Detroit Sports Talk Station to hear what is the reaction to this. And it was hilarious. The guys I was listening to, they were like, this is one of the biggest regular season victories for the Lions. I mean, they're 2-0, and and they just beat the New York Giants in New York. Like, for them, it was a huge deal. And the Giants are horrible. Is, yeah, the Giants are horrible. <laughs> Surprise. And Especially without their them. Biggest, yeah, this might be their biggest game of the year because it's the NFC champion that they're facing, and that roster is not very different. If if the Falcons and Patriots played today on a neutral field, I think the Falcons would annihilate the Patriots. They they have everything going on. So I I think the Falcons go on the road, and I, I think they kind of expose the Lions as not as good as you think you are, not as bad as you might be used to them being. So I'd say the Falcons win that one on the road. I would agree. I, I think Detroit puts up a fight in the first half, but Atlanta's got just too much firepower. For, um, yeah. for Detroit's D, I think. Um, here's another another uh, important game on the season um, because it could factor in. Well, it will it will definitely factor in to the number one draft pick next year or this in the next draft. But um, it could be a, an even bigger factor. Browns at the Colts. <laughs> Did I read that this is the first time in like two years that the Browns have been favored to win a game? That's crazy if that's true. Well, they should be. I mean, they – and I don't know what they're favored by. I can I can look that up. But it wouldn't, Didn't it wouldn't the Colts look? come very close to beating the Cardinals at home with Jacoby Brissett? Oh, yeah. Yeah, They came absolutely. pretty close. They just couldn't close the deal. Yeah. Now this game is won. being played in won. Indianapolis or Cleveland. I missed that. It's it's in Indianapolis and the Browns are favored even in that case, which is amazing. that's crazy. Yeah, that's a that's a slap in the face. I still pick the Colts. I, I think Jacoby Brissett wow. is now the starter. Yeah, I, I think the Colts will be just fine. I think they'll be fine. You know, they're obviously limited offensively to what they can do because wait, 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 wait. They're just fine. Just fine. Just fine. two weeks. Wait, wait. Just fine in terms of um, this game or this season or for the future? I think the Browns' expertise is finding ways to lose. And I just I just think, it's, look, you're asking me to pick, like, you know, you're asking me to pick who's the biggest, brownest, stinkiest turd. I mean, I don't think I should get criticism no matter where I go with this. I didn't criticize you. We'll win. I think I didn't the Colts will win. I, just I think Brissett's good enough. Here's what's going to happen. Brissett's going to run around. He's going to do the running thing. He needs to do the running thing because obviously the throwing thing's a little tricky for him right now. So he needs to do the running thing, get the end zone a couple times. Yeah, I don't think the I don't think Cleveland is a threat to score any more than 20 points in a week, right? I mean, they have a rookie quarterback too. It's basically the same thing except greener. And yeah, so I, I go Colts. I say Colts by three, sure. I uh I I will take Cleveland in that one just because I think the Colts are are god awful. Like they they're probably the worst team in the league in my opinion right now. And it's and it's I can't wait for them to lose to the Browns and to to hear Colts fans because that is a new 
That is a new low. To lose to the Browns at home, no less, will be epic. And I it continues this this line on the graph going straight down since the AFC Championship game two years ago. Yeah, to your point, like it, the Colts are the worst in all three all three phases, right? They have the worst ownership. He's a drunken, drug abusing liar. The Ursays. Yes. Okay. They have the worst management. Right? Allegedly, so their GM head coach <laughs> combo is ho- like horrible. Like Chuck Pagano should have been fired like three years ago. But the only reason why they don't fire him is because he's the only one that works for the Colts that isn't abusing drugs on a daily basis. I don't even know who the and, GM is anymore after that and guy. And their team sucks. Yeah, right. He, that guy was a bozo. And, yeah, the team sucks. Like, you know, Frank Gore is their most talented player at this point. How How amazing is it, right, to really highlight all this? How amazing is it that for months heading into week one, the Colts' leadership was – was implying or directly stating that Andrew Luck would be okay by week one. And here it is, week <laughs> week three. Well, you would think that if he was going to come back, this would be a great game to to play him against. Yeah, right? he's not. Limited he's not opponent. <laughs> he's not like he's obviously he's he, totally compromised. He's totally he uh, compromised. they have no idea how well he'll be at in at any point. And oh, see, I disagree. They're going to go zero and three. I, I think they know full well, and I think they're not going to say it. And I, I think that they knew full well before, but they wanted season ticket sales or ticket sales to not suffer, um, knowing that he was going to be out for most of the season. Um, and and look, hey, if any team knows how to sit their quarterback, their starting quarterback for a season to tank, it's the Indianapolis Colts, right? I mean, we've we've been through this before. It's not their first rodeo. Um, I think Cleveland wins. So I, I just think the Colts are horrible. I, and I watched that you game know, last, last week I against think, the Cardinals, and, and Jacoby Brissett started out really well, I thought. He was playing really well on the scripted plays. Um, but then the the Cardinals' defense was a little too much for him. And then in the overtime, he I mean, they won. They got the ball. He came out, first pass, bad interception. Bad interception, and that was the game once once they did this that. Is the week, this is a week three turd bowl. I have the Colts. You have the Browns. I think uh-huh. whoever loses should eat a turd. I think I should oh. go in my backyard, grab one of my dog's turds, and mail it to you. Maybe we can come that's, up with a different option. It's not here. quite as disgusting. Uh, but you know, Vin, you want Vin, you want ratings. <laughs> this is what has to be done. You want okay. someone other than your family to listen to this podcast? You're eating turds, bud. Green cards. I could tell you who would love that is my four-year-old. Um, she's heavy, <laughs> heavy into into turds right now, and it just cannot get enough of them. Uh, get enough of the turds wow. and, and laughing and farting. Wow. And yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, take her um, to a Browns game. <laughs> no, I'll take her to a Cardinals game. Um, mm. Let's uh, let's go to. I I I mean, I'll let's throw. Texans at the Patriots out there just because we're both Patriots fans. Um, Bill O'Brien coming back. Look, let, I'm just going to run it back to the playoffs. The Texans had a shot. They had they were they were in the game in the playoffs against the Patriots for for a while, um, and and it was it was way closer than most people thought it would be. That being said, um, totally different quarterback uh, this week. It's in New England. 
Um, Brady had a huge game last week. I think the Texans' defense is not very good, and J.J. Watt is fine and all that, but their defense is not very good. That team is not very good. And Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks, we all know what happens in those cases because it gets shoved on our throats every time a rookie quarterback faces the Patriots for the last 15 years. So, Mike, what's your take? Who's gonna who's who's coming away with this one? Well, I think the funny thing about the Texans is we are like the Patriots are their albatross. So we kind of fixate on some of the rivals. Like as a Patriots fan, I hate the Ravens because the Ravens have beaten the Pats a few right. times. It's an actual and, rivalry. Yeah, and we hate the New York Giants because there's the Yankees-Red Sox thing in the background, but they've beaten us twice on the biggest stage. So we fixate on those two clubs and, and the Paint Manning rivalry, wherever Paint Manning might have been. During yeah, that. Denver. Denver's a rivalry. Arc, right? Yeah. But, like, there are teams that we have killed – and they look at us like if the Patriots didn't exist, we'd have we'd have rings and titles. And it's <laughs> the Steelers, the Texans, you know. And so we've stomped all over the Texans. You know, the, there was the Letterman jacket game, right? There was you know the playoffs. A few times we've beaten them in the playoffs. Uh, you know, it's, it's just we really own them. And even though they have you know, Patriot blood throughout their sideline, they have the answers to the test, the the extra wrinkle, and the execution of the Patriots just is too good to be trumped by, you know, that, that former experience on the sideline. So, look, to your point, very limited against the Bengals on the road, and New England will score more points than the Bengals. So, I think I think their quarterback is a nice prospect, and I think he's mm-hmm. got some upside, right? He's one of those super athletes. Oh, sure. If, can, I, if I, they can build an offense around him, I like him. can understand. It yeah, could all like come him. together. And, yeah, I mean, it doesn't take much to outplay Tom Savage, who's also very limited despite right. you know, not being the athlete. <laughs> right. And so, look, Patriots, they're going to show once again that with with questions on offense, they can still score. And the defense is going to have a nice go of it here. I think it's very obvious what to expect offensively from the Texans, despite having a really different quarterback and Bill O'Brien being a quote-unquote offensive genius, which I thought was interesting. They kept talking in the media about how many quarterbacks Bill O'Brien has hosted in Houston, and it's (laughs) – Dozens of quarterbacks in a very short amount of time, which it's a lot. I think kind of yeah. I, I, you you look at the fact that he's blown through so many quarterbacks, and you start wondering, hmm, is this another guy that Tom Brady turned into a millionaire just by simply working with him because he doesn't seem to have the Midas touch on offense the way people may have assumed he he would have given right. what he did in Penn State. But look, so Patriots, I think, will have an easy victory, and I'll give you a score: thirty to nine. I mean, I don't think it's going to be close. Gotcha. I, I mean, I, I like the Patriots in this one too. I don't know what the what the spread is, but I have a feeling they'll cover it, and um, they'll make Deshaun Watson will have a couple moments, I think, um, running around and maybe with a pass here and there to DeAndre Hopkins. But overall, I think they're going to make him make him look like a rookie. Um, the uh, another game here. Here's a. Oh a wait, big game. I just wanted yeah, to say yeah. one thing. Yeah. So that that week one game 
the, the Texans' first game, J.J. Watt had no sack. And, and Calais Campbell better. had four sacks. Yeah, and he looked okay in the second <laughs> game. The Patriots have never played the Texans with both J.J. Watt and Clowney on the field at the same time. I thought that was interesting. But, yeah. you know, here we're watching J.J. Watt, and he might be a better fundraiser than he is a football player. He had that back surgery. He missed an entire year. It's, it'll be interesting to see if he has a flatline game. Because if he has a flatline game against the Patriots, you know, and whoever the Patriots play, everybody in the world is watching. It, it may reset the modern-day scouting report on J.J. Watt. He makes everything happen for them. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But next game, you said. Next game is kind of a do-or-die game for the New Orleans Saints. Week three, do-or-die. Hey, it, I, I hate to say it, but Saints at Carolina – the Panthers are somehow the Panthers are somehow two and zero, okay, and the Saints are zero and two. The Saints are coming off that huge loss to the Patriots, where they just the Saints did not look look good. <laughs> they did not look good. The Patriots outclassed them even on the the coaching front. Um, the Panthers are not firing on all cylinders, but they're still two and zero. Newton has not looked good on it, on his own. Uh, for for himself, um, the the offense has not really gotten gotten rolling. I would say um, it's they've uh, you know they beat the Forty ers twenty three to three and they won last week nine to three against the Bills. Who the Bills have a have an okay defense. They have a decent defense, but it's not a uh, you know again it's not even like the Ravens from a couple of years ago. It's they they if the if the Panthers were going to be really a, a contender. Like a lot of people thought they might have a bounce back year this year, especially after getting McCaffrey in the draft. McCaffrey has done nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, but they're also kind of telegraphing when he's in the game that they're going to do these crazy things with him and try to use him. Newton's banged up. So we're looking at Carolina is – is 2-0 and can afford to lose a game, I guess, if, if you want to put it in that context. The Saints, if they lose, they're 0-3, and that's that's kind of a big 0-3. That's, uh, that's – what do you do from that point? Because then you're looking at – they play the Dolphins, who – the Dolphins might be favored in that game. They play the Lions next. They play the Packers next. They still play the Buccaneers twice. They play the Redskins. They play the Falcons twice. So their season, it's not shaping up so hot. Even if they win this game, it may not shape up so hot. But if they lose this game, I don't know where they go from there. Well, every year there's like two defenses that solve a bad offense's problems, right? And the Saints defense is that team. So the Patriots last week looked limited against the Chiefs. They had a, a fast first half and then sputtered on the second half against the Chiefs on opening night. And then they went into New Orleans, and there was a lot of youth on the Saints defense, and they just ripped them to shreds. Yep. So I think it's very obvious early on that the Saints are that team. You have offensive problems? Is it the Saints? 
I want to be shocked if the Panthers completely put it all together against the Saints. They're so bad. They're bad in every single way. They have a couple really good players on their defensive line. But outside of that, like everything they do seems to backfire, whether it's draft, you know, a lot of defensive players or bringing a defensive coach. I, I was actually shocked that Sean Payton got an extension because it literally looks like he has no control over the roster. When you see Adrian Peterson yelling at him on Monday night football in Minnesota about his usage it's just shocking. So well, and that happened in week one, and then and then last week, watching that game, I, I could be wrong. I'm sure he played a couple downs, but I don't, I don't even remember him being in the game against the Patriots. Like whatever they, he did, it was not him. memorable. Yeah, he was on the field. It, it, <laughs> it was not it was memorable. Weird. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just weird. Uh, it's weird. So but Carolina. apparently, the Saints have started the last like four or five years, zero and two, zero and three, zero and four. This is what they do: they get better oh, as sure. they go. You know, they well, get better. Well, but, but as a lot they of that depends. On. That depends on schedule, though, too. You know, I mean, if that sure, depends on sure. schedule. So, so they they the teams they play come coming up. I mean, the, Where the Buccaneers is this game being played. Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I think Carolina wins. Yeah, especially outdoors, grass field. Cam Newton being banged up doesn't bother me. He's always banged up, but yep. he's he's totally one of those guys that mans up, and he's he's tough despite being a a little twit emotionally, you know, <laughs> kind of a spoiled brat syndrome. But he he is a tough guy, and he he is that kind of Steve McNair. I'll wear a flak jacket, play with broken ribs, dude. I think he has a rebound weekend and connects with a couple couple, you know, as wide receivers. Kelvin Benjamin almost caught a touchdown. They're they're a lot closer. They're we'll they got see, yeah. stuck. You're right. Their their offense is stalled, but you play the Saints and all of a sudden you look like the greatest show on turf. You watch. They'll be they'll be A okay. The Saints will go 0 and three. And everyone that roots for the Saints will just have to accept that while Drew Brees is alive and kicking. Sean Payton's gonna be the head coach. One more game. Uh we're and we're getting close to the end here, but um We'll just we're gonna skip ahead to the Monday night matchup, the Cowboys at the Cardinals on uh a Monday night here in Arizona. Uh he up until a few years ago this was Cowboys land, I can tell you. Uh it was more well, it was every other team land in reality. Every other team. <laughs> the, the you go to the stadium for a home game and it's whatever the other team is would have more fans. Now that changed probably about eight or so years ago during the Super Bowl run um, and has, has grown, you know, Cardinals, Cardinals have a nice fan base now. They, that are, that are coming out and going to the games. There's still an element of people selling their tickets to, you know, the bears and Packers fans and definitely Cowboys fans um, will be in, in, in loud voice uh, Monday night. I, I'll I'll let you, I'll let you uh, voice your opinion on this one and I'll get mine. Well, the first thing that I notice about this is this is exactly why Monday Night Football is dead. Sunday Night Football <laughs> is awesome. It's week three, and already, if they could flex out of this one, they'd flex out of it. I'd rather. I'm sure I'd they would. Literally, rather see Browns at the Colts on Monday Night Football, just because I don't know what's going to happen. Like, it's interesting <laughs> for the wrong reasons. Like, who is going to suck worse? I have no idea. But now you're stuck with this week three matchup where Carson Palmer is decaying in front of us. 
And, you know, David Johnson is out with a wrist injury. So we, I think we know what's going to happen. The Cowboys are going to go in there and it's, it's going to be, they're going to crush the Cardinals. The Cardinals have no chance to win that game. They're dead on arrival. So I, I think Ezekiel Elliott bounces back, has a nice hundred yard, two touchdown type game. You know, Des Bryant gets in, makes his little X symbol, and everybody's happy. And the Cardinals, unfortunately, float back to where they've always been, which is, you know, a, a contender from years past that is now faded to the wayside because they cannot answer that quarterback question. And they keep pretending that Carson Palmer, who's so great that he's been on four teams and done nothing on any of them, is going to, like, bounce back and shock us all and have a Kurt Warner-type second career rally. Cowboys. <laughs> I, uh, I, I would agree that I think Cowboys are going to win. Um, they're coming off a pretty bad game on the road in Denver last week. Epically bad. Like, Elliot had nothing. Denver's just one of those places, right? Like, you don't sure. know what's going to happen, and then teams show up, and they're just horrible. It's, it's Denver's one of those places. Yeah, but for, for Patriots. the Cowboys, they're always horrible. Yeah, it was, it was surprising though for the Cowboys. For the, I think, I mean, most surprising for Cowboys fans who definitely did not think they were going to lose to Trevor Simeon uh, this year. So, um, I think uh, the look, the Cardinals definitely play better at home, especially the defense. The defense still has a lot of talent on it. They have a pretty solid defensive backfield. They, they have the guys that, and, and they, to be honest, the Cowboys receivers aren't super scary. Des Bryant, if you look at his numbers, he really, it's not like he's, he's this consistent touchdown scoring machine, but certainly he could, he could score at any time, right? Like that's what, the way you like to think, but they can bottle him up. It's, it's the, it's the run game. I, I don't think they can, they'll be able to stop Elliott and, and Prescott, um, and I think they're going to get they're going to get run on and worn down, and the Cowboys will end up winning. Plus, the Cowboys coming off that loss. I mean, they, you know they're hearing it all week about that loss um, yeah. in Denver, and and they they have they can't go. That was a bad two. loss. They looked bad, right? I mean, it was. It, it went. They were bad football players, and then Ezekiel Elliott just standing there watching dudes run all over the place. That that's the extra toppings, right? It's, you got your ass kicked on the road against a team that people respect, right? So it is a litmus test game, mm-hmm. and you look like a bunch of buttheads. It was a bad loss. Yeah. The, the only two saving graces are, number one, it was an AFC opponent. Number two, it was um, – uh, what was the other thing? Oh, early in the season. So, mm-hmm. you know, if that, if, that, if that comes later in the season and, and at a key point in the season, then it's really bad. Um, but week two, you can kind of explain it away and say, oh, yeah, just the things that you said. You know, it's in Denver, week two, early in the season, whatever. So now, I mean, they need to win this game against Arizona. They're favored, I'm sure. I haven't looked at the line, but I guarantee they're favored. Arizona is definitely in the bottom five of the teams right now in the NFL. Um, Carson Palmer does not look good. Even when he's got time to throw, he's under-throwing guys. He's skipping balls to them. Um, or just or missing them entirely, it's it's not it's not good. And their receiver core, by the way, it's Larry Fitzgerald and maybe when John Brown shows up, uh, JJ Nelson had a good game. Was it last week or the week? I don't know, week one. Um, but they don't have. Last year they came into the season with that as a strength, 
and this year it is not. <laughs> it is not. So Cowboys, both of us taking the Cowboys. Um, we're running out of time, Mike. Uh, thanks for hopping on again. But before we go, we got we to gotta just address what percentage of the players in the NFL kneel tomorrow versus stand? Ooh, good question. I think that you're going to have a couple teams that decide to kneel in any anyone's in anyone's in mind. I I know I have a couple. I think the Bills, I mean the For Bills sure. made a group statement. I think the Dolphins have made a group statement. Any organization Seahawks. made a group statement. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. And you really have to be an a-hole to make Roger Goodell look like a hero. So when Goodell <laughs> made his, you know, formal statement and it made sense to the rest of the world, it's just, it's insane what's happening with the presidency. And I'm not even evaluating Donald Trump on like the actual job. I just can't believe he wastes all his time just infuriating, you know, celebrities. So uh, yeah, an athlete. I'd have to an say, athlete, I'd have yeah. to say, yeah, I'd have to say any team that made a, a bold statement like that, half their players will be kneeling. That's my guess. Keep in mind that the that the players' union also made a statement, which is I think the reason why the NFL came out and made a statement as well. The players' union. It, Eric Winston is supposed to be really intelligent, and I saw his statement, and he did that whole stupid thing where someone with an Apple phone opens up iOS notes, writes their statement, screen grabs it and posts it. I was like, dear God, you're the head of the players union. Can't you take the time to actually publish a formal statement on, you know, players union letterhead? Like, do you have to do it? Like you're, it's such amateur hour. And it's the reason why the, the players, despite their brains being battered, will never get guaranteed contracts. They'll never get guaranteed contracts. They'll never they'll never just organize and and get it done the way the other three major sports have. I saw that well, and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like this guy's got C T E right now because he's making a uh, then uh, making a statement representing a group through that method is just so lame. But look, to your point, the response is like unanimous. It's like you know, we're not trying to be divisive. We're trying to respect each other. That's kind of toeing the line. And basically, I think Trump like threw gas on the flames. And now, now people that didn't have feelings about you know how to behave during the national anthem all of a sudden have a different set of reasoning to consider any behavior during the national anthem. And some people even question, like, why we play the National Anthem. That was a trend sure. that started shortly after World War II. Yeah. And, and now we now know, does it even have the same value because we play it at every single – at every level, every level, uh, every single well, sporting event. I think patriotism event. is <laughs> – yeah, patriotism is, a, is different today than it was, you know, 77 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, so percentage-wise – point, like – Percentage wise, uh, percentage, <laughs> percentage. I say, I, I say a huge spike. I'd say, I'd say twenty five percent of the league meals. And basically, it's, you know, yeah. I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Twenty five percent of the league meals. <laughs> I think, 
I would go higher. I think it's, I don't know if it's a majority, but I, w- I think it's somewhere around like half, half or more. I think this is a big deal in, in amongst the players. And I think that they're, look, there's going to be, there's some that are probably with Trump and we know, we know there are. Uh, there would be no bigger statement than if he won't. That damn racist Tom Brady. Well, I don't know if he's, you know, he's a racist. He just doesn't want to offend anybody in any way. So I, he, the, the, there would be no bigger thing to happen than if he kneeled. Um, it will not happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it will not I think happen. The kneeling, I think the kneeling is going to happen based on the team culture. Some of these teams have don't have a bright future. Some of these teams are building. Some of these teams are in loser mode. So it doesn't shock me to hear that the Bills have a particular interest in using their platform to kneel and make a statement versus focusing all their energy into football and winning games. You know, so do I expect that I would be shocked if the Patriots had 25% of their players kneeling only because I think that this is a distraction. And although it may be appropriate for executives and owners of the NFL to respond openly for the players to take their demonstration to an to a higher level, it, it goes full circle. Why doesn't Colin Kaepernick have a job? It's because he's a distraction, and he chose to sacrifice his career to represent a social issue. So now, now anybody that kneels tomorrow, I feel like they're kind of leaning that way. They're you're not paying attention to football. And imagine if the entire Bills team kneels. Let's just say the entire Bills team kneels tomorrow. Yeah. And then they, whether they win or lose that game, every player is going to have more questions about how that team arrived at that decision and what that team verbally wants to convey that act or set of actions to mean outwardly. It's like you're a professional football player and you're morphing your purpose in the world on the field, it, it's not conducive to the goal of it all, which, look, fans go because they want to be entertained and they want to be pulled away from this stuff. So from a fan perspective, it's not exactly the best thing. If you, if you enjoy it and you're aligned with the players, that's, you know, maybe you enjoy it and you think it's impressive, you know, because you hate Trump and anybody that stands up and says something openly to that degree is entertaining. And, you know, the other idea is to win football games and, you know, it's it's just a distraction. It's it's not good. It's not good for a variety of reasons. But if I'm like I'm the Patriots, right? I'm a Patriots fan. If I see a bunch of Patriots kneeling, I'm thinking, oh God, like well, what's going to happen today on the field? How much time has been spent in the last 48 hours before a professional football game between players planning what they're going to wear, what they're going to say, how are they going to act? And I get it. I respect it. Nothing that Trump has done or said regarding the topic of of NFL protests is appropriate or right in my eyes. But to know that there are teams like the Seahawks sitting down, spending hours talking through these issues to use their time on the field, whether it's part of the active game or pregame to make a statement, it's, it's a distraction. It's, it's, it's totally a distraction. I would be really disappointed if I saw my team, the Patriots, do some sort of group method, you know, that that looks like it 
required that kind of dedication to figure out what to do and how we want to respond. It's, it's nuts. And it, it, I just think it's, it must be impossible to manage as a head coach, right? I mean, how do you manage this if you're Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick, right? It's tough. I don't put as much um, stock into how much effort it takes to decide if, you know, they want to kneel or not. I, I don't think that that's, that's a huge deal. Uh, I I think the players probably all have a group text and they're like, Hey, we should kneel tomorrow. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> and the ones that are in, um, you know, I can tell you, Mike, I, I mean, I don't know if you pay attention to all the players on Twitter and stuff, but, but McCourty, Devin McCourty, um, he will definitely be kneeling. I uh, only I would... follow porn stars and <laughs> fake accounts. I would be. I, I I will I won't be surprised at all when when a significant number of the the Patriots do that when they kneel, um, because it's 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 at this point at this point it is today as of today, and and the comments by the president on Twitter, for however however much people value tweets or not, it doesn't matter because these are his statements. Okay, these are matters. These are statements of record that are being filed into the Library of Congress, by the way, for people that are not aware. Um, Twitter tweets from the president get filed into the Library of Congress at this point. So they're record, on record, statements from the president. Um, he, 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 he called uh, NFL players, you know, uh, uh, not, he didn't call them all this, but he, he, he like figuratively was like, um, hypothetically, oh well, you know, if, if don't you guys wish that uh, owners would stand up and say uh, for guys that are kneeling and uh, whatever, not respecting the flag, to get off the field, you sons of bitches, and like this, the president said that, said said those words at a public rally and referring to the NFL players. Uh, so that that was where things amped up. It, it it actually, I don't think right now, it's not it's not about Kaepernick at all. It's just that the taking a knee is is the vehicle that now they all have a a reason. The players have a reason to kind of stand up, <laughs> stand up and kneel. Um, but kneeling is just the vehicle that they're using for their protest because this guy came out, the president, and and really really degraded degraded them in in his comment. And that's that's how they you can see that's how they take it like. How many players, they, they do good things. Larry Fitzgerald, I can tell you, the dude is in the community, like, doing all kinds of stuff. I remember Anquan Bolden used to, he used to buy, take whole groups of, like, kids' shelters to Toys R Us at Christmas time. Like, that's a very small thing, but they do all these things in the community. Like, a lot of them, they're, they're good people. <laughs> they do good community work. Are there Are there some or more than some that are, like, you know, uh, criminals or domestic. Yeah, I mean, I don't like. I don't. Yes. I don't. I don't think. You know, characterizing someone that kneels or doesn't stand for the national anthem as a son of a bitch is a is appropriate. I mean, no, I, I know that, protests, but and, I'm just I'm just saying that. Yes, I'm just saying that as as that's that's I, where this got amped up today. The Vinny, day as a player, the game. as a player, I would totally <laughs> protest. As a player, I would do the same thing. I'd be like, I hate this guy, you know. And think about it, right? The protest started off 
regarding, you know, the, how, how the police interacted with minorities, right? right? They're right. shooting him in right. the street. It's on video. You know, people are, like, forfeiting themselves to the cops. And they're still being attacked and abused. Yeah, right? so it's going off as that. Well, now, now when you're kneeling tomorrow, it's 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 that, but it's also a big f you to Trump to say yeah. you don't control me, you're not going to deter me, you're not going to intimidate me. I, I'm going to do whatever I want because that's how this all works. As long as I'm not hurting somebody else, it's all good. So, and I don't, I don't know, think that's why I, I expect more people to do so. And I, I would follow through too. I mean, oh I, sure, I and I like. I, it. Listen, I don't think as far as like a team like the Patriots, which is kind of like the gold standard for organizations, sure right? Are. And sure the Cow- are. people put the Cowboys up there too in terms of yeah. maybe not championships right now, but like how an organization is run for whatever reason, people put them up there too. Making money, they're great at it. Jerry Jones. Um, I, there will be players on the Cow- – you tell me Des Bryant isn't going to kneel? Come on. Ezekiel Elliott. Give well, me a break. look, you, you brought see. up you brought up Devin McCourty, and he's a good example because last year they they he's a captain, they were going the to do something. Yeah, last year they were going to do something. They were talking about because Martellus Bennett was on the roster, and obviously, yep. you know, he he and his brother, you know, are very passionate about this topic, and they decided to do something different. They just raised their fists in the air, kind of like the old school Black Panther thing, mm-hmm. although. They weren't trying to convey those values in that act. But it's weird. The nuance is real. Like sitting or kneeling for the national anthem is very different from like raising your fist while it's being sung. It will be interesting to see if they go a different route or if they, you know, maintain what they were doing last year, which is I guarantee they will not. They will not because the, the move right now because of this is take a knee. Because that is the that is the move. It's not it, it be, prior to today. I'm saying specifically today because of the the statements made prior to today. Yes, there was like here and there. You know, Marshawn Lynch decided to sit on the bench during the national anthem because he's always done it, right? That was his thing. I, whatever. Who knows with him, right? Who knows? Um, but but there were players. Well, that people their classify fists. him Play- as mentally ill, so I don't think they look at his behavior. <laughs> Concerns. That's what I'm saying. But, that's but when they saying. see players like McCourty or players that have a better reputation, I think that that's when it, you start to turn heads. You know, like leaders, char- high character guys, right? Like a Larry Fitzgerald. Like if Larry Fitzgerald kneels tomorrow, yes. I, I can I know there's going to be. So so here's the other thing too. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the early games versus the bigger statement. The biggest statements will come when Sunday night football. And Monday Night Football, right? That's interesting. Sure. Got a lot of eyes so, on it. High-profile yeah. games, national. Well, yeah, and, and especially, point. especially going into tomorrow because people are I mean, going to, your point, to be looking for this. If the Bills do something, are people really going to give a crap if the Bills do something versus you know, if the Cowboys? The Cowboys have the advantage, you know, because they're the high-profile team in the NFL. They have Monday night, and they can sit back and watch what all the other teams are doing. So they can get into a cipher and say, all right, guys, well, listen let's, to this. Really, <laughs> let's really make a statement on Monday night. Yeah. The, the Bills did this. The Dolphins did that. The Patriots did this. Let's do this. So you're listen, right. So, the, the Monday night game is, is going to be interesting. Well, well, let me throw this, let me throw this out there, too. I, I would say that the early games – the early games will have eyes on them for this purpose, right? The the Baltimore Jacksonville game in London, who knows? 
but that will maybe even set some sort of tone. With with the early games, I think players will be watching to see what happens. Definitely the media will be watching. Buffalo does play an early game. The Patriots play an early game. Um, the Sunday night game, do you know what it is? I don't remember. And do you know where? <laughs> Wait, who was it? You cut out. We, we didn't. Oh, we didn't. We didn't talk about it. It's so the Sunday night game is the Raiders at the Redskins mm. in That'll the DC fun. area. In the DC area. So Sunday night football, like it will be very very interesting to see what happens in in that game. Um, in in DC. I mean it's not in DC. We know that's in Maryland, but close enough. It's the DC team. Um so, so man, I I'm I'm really curious to see what happens. So, um, it's going to be that's that's the story tomorrow. We yeah, already know oddly it. enough, I don't I don't expect DC to do anything different. I mean, when you when you think about what their owner is, like Daniel Snyder is one of like the worst human beings in the NFL. He's one of the worst and it's obvious, it's open. He's horrible to the people that work for him. He's horrible to the media. He he is kind of like the most Trump-like out of all the owners just because of his behavior and that he's a rich, large child. So I, and D.C. is all a bunch of transients. And I, I actually don't expect D.C. to have the, the, the hottest heat. I, I would say that I think you nailed it with Seattle. I mean, they kind of have the poster boy for – you know, for current social issues with uh, well, the game isn't there having though. The lo- <laughs> yeah, I guess so. They're not playing I, I'm not, Seattle. Yeah, I'm not looking at it from a state perspective. I guess I'm looking at it from a personality perspective. And Bennett is seems to be one of the more vocal players, right, in regards to social injustices and concerns about discrimination. And he obviously had the the most recent run in in Vegas. You know, and his claims and the letter and all that. Oh well, Seattle. Seattle is already. Seattle has. I mean, Richard Sherman tweeted out a statement. Doug Baldwin got a huge yeah. uh, uh, retweet and, well, and I mean, at this point, uh, awareness for his statement. It, at this point, it's easier to notate who hasn't made a statement, right? And it's the usual. It's the it's the Tom Brady's of the world that don't want to get into it. You know, Russell the guys Wilson. that are interested in playing football and winning games. Yeah. Oh, give me a break. It has nothing. Yeah, I I disagree with that, but. Um, anyway, we'll see. Um, okay, good show. Thanks. <laughs> we'll talk again maybe next week, Michael. If I were a player, if I were a player, uh, I would take the field, and I would I would take the field with a sign. I would I would have to bring a sign, and I open the sign, and it's something like impeach Trump or I hate my president. I, I wouldn't. Me personally, I wouldn't kneel, but I would have to say something about this. And I get that you could tweet, but, you know, there's there's something valuable about that traditional method of conveying your message. You've got, you know, the national anthem, everybody's still, everything's quiet. The cameras are looking for players to say something or do something at that moment. I would, I would definitely, like as a player, I would definitely plan something. I As think, a manager, I, I'd be like, I can't manage this. Like, oh my god, what am I supposed to do? Like, half my players are, are you know, coming from poverty, and they feel like they're being discriminated against by their own president. Like, I couldn't stop the players. It's, it's just a tough situation. Yeah, I don't know if the 
the poverty side has anything to do with him. It's just the fact that he's he's crapping on the athletes in general, like all day today with with different things. But he, um, I I I I will be shocked if they the players that are kind of banding together throughout the league, they'll they'll kneel, they'll take a knee, but they will definitely have some sort of whether it's on their cleats or something. They're going to have something on their, on themselves, to indicate that they're part of this this movement. Um, maybe it's the number seven for Kaepernick, but I don't. I think it's going to be more like something like a hash, like not my president, or like they're going to have something on them that's visible because they can. I think this is the year they changed. They can write on their cleats whatever kind of whatever they want now or something. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Uh, I personally, I hope super that, interesting. Per, personally, I hope that. Um, I don't know. I just, I just hope it doesn't take away from the games, and it, it can. But I hope it. Doesn't. Oh, it totally. Well, I mean, I hope the players wise, don't allow it to impact the games, like the quality of the games, because the NFL Week One, the NFL sucked. It was horrible. Well, last week, week two was, was a whole lot better. Yeah, it's it's In not. Three, that's not. Like, Ratings are down, Vin. You know, yeah. ratings are down. Like, the concussion thing is floating around. The quality of play is down. Thursday night football, you know, still questionable as to whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing. So I just I just hope the, the, the quality of play doesn't suffer, and that that's my concern. Well, but the quality of play person, has already been suffering for two weeks. So because of the offseason, <laughs> because a, there's no practice as time. As a person or a player, I would have to use that platform as a coach or a manager, I'd be like, "Ah, oh, God, why do we have to spend time on this? Can't we just play the sport and win?" But I, I you know, personally, I totally yeah, agree. I think it depends on the coach or the manager. I think Belichick is 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 not necessarily frustrated. I mean, he's frustrated in the sense of it's taking time away, whatever, or he has to deal with it. But I, I definitely think that there's other coaches and and head coaches that are that are like down with like certain certain coaches. I you you know that they're Back, backing their players uh, with this whole thing. Well, I, obviously Pete Carroll is like a professional cheerleader, and he loves it because it unifies his team. Like they, that's totally his, you know, riding uniform, unicorn, shooting rainbows attitude on this topic. Belichick, it's got to be, it's got to be killing him. <laughs> right? It's a total distraction. To make matters worse, he's butt buddies with Trump, so it's his buddy. You know that's getting called out in the media by all sorts of players. Um, it's it's got to be a nightmare. well, but yeah, but and and really, if if they're that close, like I mean, which I don't think they are close. Uh, I know that they're friends, friends to an extent. Who knows how much he talks to them? But in all honesty, yeah. like the, Belichick is going to be really pissed about it, and that his his buddy did this the day before and caused this issue for him and probably wrote him another note that he's stuck in his pocket not meant for anyone else to see. <laughs> so we'll see. Tom Tom Brady uh will will make no I was surprised that he even said that much about Kaepernick earlier this week. So we'll it'll be interesting now with, with everything coming to a head tomorrow. The timing is right after today. Tomorrow's gonna be big. Monday night may I don't know if Monday night will be as big because everything will have happened already t- tomorrow. And Monday night, yeah, it's a big stage. But everything, like you said, they're going to have the advantage of, like, everything's already happened. Do they do in in Arizona, do they 
the Cardinals and the Cowboys players do this thing after a full day's media cycle of seeing what the reaction was or what happened. Like, does that does that amp it up for them? Does it make them you know it, a little more you know, nervous? Be awesome! I'll tell you what would be awesome. It'd be awesome if there was like a walkout. You know, a little yeah. bit of nine oh two and oh Donna Martin graduates, you know, like wow. you wanna fire us? You wanna fire us? You can't fire us. You know why? Because we quit. It would be but, awesome if a team like the Bills, who really have no chance to do anything, just showed up, practiced, got dressed, got warmed up, and as soon as the national anthem started playing, they they just threw their helmets on the field and said Fudge this and walked right back into the locker room, and that was it. Buffalo takes a forfeit. <laughs> 50,000 fans who are all gassed up, ready for football, are standing there like, what in the name of God just happened? And yeah. that would be a wonderful way to prove a point that the NFL only exists because of the players. Yep. You can't fire the players because yep. they're the reason why everybody shows up. That would be gangster for some team that has really nothing much to play for this year competitively to kill Colts. a week on their schedule Colts. For, Colts. for a social justice purpose. And they just said, yeah, we're going to get dressed up. We're going to rope you all in. And then we're just going to throw our, throw our helmets on the field before the game starts, walk off, and you can all go to hell and just suck it. That would be awesome. It would be. I'd respect it, that. It, that would I'd be amazing that. to see. And really, yeah. you know, to tie it all together and finish this off, the Browns versus the Colts game, that's what they should do. So, <laughs> um, good point. We'll, if I'm we'll a talk Colts about fan, the... <laughs> If I'm a Colts fan and the Colts boycott the game right there, I applaud it. I applaud it, and I go home with a smile on my face, and I say, thank God I didn't have to watch that. <laughs> Saved them. Man, we'll try to do this again next week. Sound good? Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Later. Bye. Thank you.